You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Carry Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. So this is episode one. Accurately divide the word. Now one of the things that you must understand is you've heard me preach, you've heard me teach. I am not the one that says I have a school of thought. I can tell you these are the schools of thoughts but I am so biased to the truth that I want to be on the side of truth. I don't care what any factor says. So I want to align with scripture. Praise God. Oh, praise God. So that is my deepest solution. I always want to make sure that I don't listen to popular opinion because popular opinion is not truth. Popular opinion is not what truth. Truth is one. The moment you hear school for thought, it means that they are not sure. And what you are not sure of cannot be what true. <laughs> now, if we are believers and we start talking about schools of thought, then we can, the Muslims, the Buddhists can have a problem with us. Because they also say that their way is a way. But when we say that Jesus is their way. We should be able to defend that Jesus is the way. And if you are a believer who cannot defend that, there is a great possibility that you may have believed in vain. Did you hear that? There is a great possibility that you may have believed in one. It also means that you are still an infant. You are still a baby. And don't get me wrong. People can be several years in the kingdom and still be babies and still be toddlers in the kingdom. It has nothing to do with how many years you've been to church. It has nothing to do with how many years you've been a Christian. 
It has nothing to be to do with your biological age. It has all to do with whether you have a full grasp of this Jesus. And you have full recognition and understanding of who he is. What he made you and what he left for you. Praise God. Alright, so I want you to see yourself with the lens of the individual and not the lens of the corporate because it can be very deceptive. Look at you and assess yourself. And don't try to box everybody together. Ask yourself whether you are growing. Ask yourself, how much do I know? What do I know about this faith? How much grounded have I become in this faith? These are very important questions that you must keep asking yourself. In our part of the world, drama is spirituality. Yeah. Anytime you see people talking about spirituality, they want to see something dramatic, something very spectacular, and then they can see this is spirituality. But you can see the sun shining every day. It doesn't make noise. It comes up ordinarily. Rises in the morning. Sets in the evening. The moon comes. Silently. They, they, they shine. They go. They don't make any noise. Yet, everything we do within time is in these two lights. They are so powerful, but yet they are very silent. When you got born again, you didn't hear an earthquake. <laughs> Neither did you feel an earthquake. <laughs> but you know Jesus is in you, and He lives inside of you, and you don't feel like the way the turbines. Turning in your stomach. As a matter of fact, even your heart beats, you have to put your ear there to it before you feel it. True or false? Your heart beats and you can hear it. But that's the spectacular, the extraordinary forces. Of what life is. Heart beating. Is that true? The moment it stops beating, you are wrong. Ah, is it true? So listen to me very carefully. If you want to know God, you will know God in your everyday routine. 
a believer. Study your Bible. Pray. Evangelize. Come to the fellowship of the brethren. Give thanks. Give thanks with your life, with your resources. You are fine. Very soon you will see yourself as an edifice that is mighty. Doing exploits for the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Is that very clear? Tonight, Uncle Dan called me once again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Uncle Dan said, Pastor, I want to ask a question. I read an article that says that Jesus is all I need. And that if I have Jesus, I don't need anything. And I said, Uncle Dan, that's the series I'm going to start today. I'm going to go into all of these to make us understand that yes, when you have Christ, you have everything you need. What is it? And so we will go into that journey through scriptures. Second Timothy 2, 15 to 18. Study and be eager and to do your utmost to present yourself to God. Approved. Second Timothy two, fifteen to eighteen. I'm reading from the Amplified Classic. Study and be eager, and to do your utmost to present yourself to God. Approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed. So every believer is a workman. Every believer, every believer is a workman. So a workman is a skilled laborer. A workman is a skilled laborer. Someone who is in a skillful profession. So that's what every believer, a disciple is an apprentice. So as an apprentice, you are learning the skill of your master. And Paul says how you can achieve that is to study. And as an apprentice, you'll be going through trials. Every apprentice, if you have been an apprentice before and you were serving under a boss, the boss gives you challenges, true or false. Okay. 
Now he gives you work to do. In the work, there are what? Challenges. Is that very clear? Yes. So it's not like he wanted to maybe test you by force. No. But he gives you work and within the work, because we are on earth and we are in an imperfect world, there will be challenges that come with the work you are given to do. Praise God. But he says, if you study and you study well, you will overcome those challenges. Praise God. Is that very clear? So, if you are being overcome easily, you are not studying. You are not being a good apprentice. You are taking your master and yourself for granted. <laughs> Watch this. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed. <laughs> ashamed. Ashamed of what? Correctly analyzing and accurately dividing. Rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. So, the word there is ototomia, you know that? Yes, ototomia. Rightfully divided. It's like a surgeon who is going to the theater and has a body and he has to dissect it, make sure he takes out the toxic. Is that clear? And all the things that, and then fixes the body, patches it, puts it together, and the person rises again in one piece. So clearly, Apostle Paul is telling you and I that in the word of God, there is a dissecting to do. You don't take the word of God who lie and walk, sinker. What you call the scriptures will come to that. <laughs> you must be skillful at analyzing. <laughs> and accurately dividing it. So it means that it is not every word in the Bible that is for you. Yes, it is the Holy Scriptures. But it is not everything in the Holy Scriptures that is meant for you. So you should be able to know what is for you and what is not what for you. So look at the next verse 16. That's why he said, but avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk. For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. 
And that's why sometimes in the pulpit, you hear things that looks like it is from the Bible, all right. And, 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 and scriptures will be picked. And by the time you, you realize the person is talking about themselves and their experiences and, and all of that, and not accurately dividing the word. They are dividing themselves. <laughs> they are actually putting themselves in the place of scripture. They actually explain the Bible with their experience. And they make their experience the truth. It is called idle talk. Vain talk. They boast about the airplanes they are born. They boast about the wristwatch. They boast about... It is vain talk. They boast about so many things. And they make themselves the scripture. Where is God? So you can see what he said, but avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk. So if you are in this ministry, please avoid empty, useless, idle talk. You see, don't go on evangelism and talk about how holy you are living. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we're going to go into scripture. You never see the apostles doing that. And talk about how filthy or how dirty, how condemned they are. It's useless talk. It is vain talk. It is idle talk. Don't say, oh, when I receive the Lord Jesus, from the day I received him, can you see my bank account? I travel. Oh, in the I've given birth. Hey. It is vain talk. It is useless talk. About David and Goliath without its reference 
to the work of redemption. You are tell, telling fairy tales. Did you know what I said? It will be fairy word. Or how something killed the lion. Without giving reference to the work of redemption. Are you hearing me? You are not dividing scripture word accurately. Don't talk about how God they said God cursed Israel and how Achan you know Achan went to steal the spoil and he said God cursed Hey. You don't know what is for you and what is not for anything that does not fall in the context of the finished work of redemption is not the believer's inheritance. And it is useless. It is in vain. You are making the work of Christ long and void. Look at what he says. And their teaching will devour. It will eat its way like cancer or spread like gangrene. So it is with Hymenus and Philetus who have missed the mark and swerved from the truth by arguing that the resurrection has already taken place. They are undermining the faith of some. Praise God. Philip six. Philemon six. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Let me read it in the Amplified. 
you need to give your rap attention. Very important. <laughs> and I pray that the participation in sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ and unto his glory. <laughs> Please, what you are allowed to participate in and also share in your faith is what produces, promotes the full recognition, appreciation, understanding the precise, accurate knowledge of every good thing that is yours regarding your identification with Christ Jesus and unto his glory. What is unto his glory? That he lives in man. That he resides in man. That is what is the glory of God. Hallelujah. So it means that We have what is in Christ. We have what is in Christ. So we need to look into Christ so we can know what is in us. We need to look into Christ so we can know what is in us. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Everybody, does that make sense? So until we look into Christ, we cannot participate and share in our identification with him and then produce and promote and have full recognition, appreciate and have precise knowledge of what is in us. Praise God. Are we all clear? So, is he confirming what he said to Timothy? We must know what is ours and divide the word accordingly. Is that clear? So it is not everything that is ours. We must know. So we must have complete knowledge of what is in us in Christ. 
Now, one of the reasons why we mostly get into error is because most of us have assumptions about the testaments. One thing that must be clear to you is that the Bible has its own definitions. And that's why I keep saying that not everything in the scripture is for you. Note this. The New Testament is not in any original. It was introduced by the printers. I'm saying it again. The New Testament is not in any original. It was introduced by the printers. So if you see New Testament written on your Bible, on the original was nothing like that. The phrase, the New Testament. So it was not there. The printers who wanted you to get old, new, so that you can have a certain understanding. But even in that, it can lead you away into error. It can affect your presumption, how you presume scripture, and then interpret scripture in a certain way, and in a certain light. I'll explain. When the church was studying they never ever saw new or old. During the church age, there was nothing called new old. It was a term that was later, later developed. There was nothing like, this is new testament, this is old. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament was written because of its nature and not the new. So as a matter of fact, Jesus himself referenced what he called the Old Testament as the scriptures. So when Jesus wants to call what you call Old Testament, Jesus never called it Old Testament. Jesus called it Scriptures. And the meaning of Scriptures is writings. Graphene. So that's what you hear in my song, Gagrapha. Gagrapha. What is written is written. 
Because graphe in the Greek is grammar. It's writings. John 5, 39 to 41. You search and investigate and pour over the scriptures. That's Jesus. He says, you do that diligently because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. And these very scriptures testify about me. So Jesus, referring to what we call the Old Testament, says the writings. So it tells us that the Old Testament was a written document. It was a written document. It was a written document. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 15-16. Apostle Paul writing to his son Timothy. And how from your childhood you have had a knowledge of and been acquainted with the sacred writing. Did you see that? What's he referring to? The scriptures. Which you refer to as what? The Old Testament. He called it the sacred Hagios Graphe. Holy scriptures. Scriptures that have been set forth apart. From your childhood means it can be what he is writing to him now. So he is referring to the scriptures. Are you getting it? Because as at the time he was writing to him, this had not been documented. Do you get that? <laughs> and don't forget that Apostle Paul met Timothy after Timothy had already been born again. Yeah. So note that. Because Apostle Paul himself testifies of him being born again. And he says that was due to the fact that his mother and grandmother taught him the scriptures. And it led him to salvation. Praise God. Okay. At least you get to understand that it is not the person who just brings you to Christ 
that can be your father in Christ. Do you get it? Yeah. Very good. All right. Let's go ahead. Which are able to instruct you and give you understanding for salvation, which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, through the leaning of the entire human personality of God in Christ Jesus, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. Every scripture, once again, is God breathed. Every scripture is God breathed. He's referring to the Old Testament. Praise God. Amen. It's given by inspiration, profitable for instruction and reproof and conviction of sin and correction of error and discipline in obedience and for training and in righteousness. That's holy living in conformity to the will of God in thought, purpose, and action. Clear. Is that very clear? Yes. So, Paul was referring to Genesis to Malachi. Yeah? Good. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 4. Once again, Apostle Paul said, For I pass on to you, first of all, what I also received, that Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for our sins. Watch this. In accordance with what the scripture foretold. So you can see, he never spoke about the dead burial resurrection of Christ as a fact without the authentication of what? The Old Testament. That's why he said, according to what? The scriptures. That he was buried that he rose on the third day and then once again he said as the scriptures were foretold, as the scriptures prophesied. Praise God. Is that very clear? Okay. So we know that The scriptures refer to Genesis to what? Everybody, Genesis to? So when you say the scriptures, you're referring to Genesis to? Malachi. Malachi. So what do you call the four gospels? Thank you. So we're going to go into that. So the historical records of Jesus' incarnation, they are not called Holy Scriptures. Now, one of the things that we take lightly is that we call things by several names. For which do not reveal their purpose. And when you do that, you are going to have a problem with linking the purpose of the thing to it. 
and treating it in that light. Let names mean what you call them. And you can truly identify with them in their levels. Don't call somebody Nebal if you think they are wise. <laughs> if you know what Nebal means, it means fool. So when you call things by their real name, you help your own understanding. <laughs> and that's why you must know that in the in the church age, in the days of the apostles, they never used the four gospels to teach. They never quoted Jesus. They never quoted Jesus. They were referred to, but not used to preach and teach. Do you understand? You don't. You can only quote writings. Two of them. That have been talking. So they were not. And I'm not sure. So they only refer. And they never use them to preach. Or to teach. In Acts of the Apostles, you will realize that even in their preaching and teaching, they always use the scrolls in the synagogues. Look at something in Acts 20, 35. Acts 20, 35. Look at Acts 20, 35. In everything I have pointed out to you, by example, that by working diligently in this manner, we ought to assist the weak. Be mindful of the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed Hello? Hmm. Makes one happier or more to be envied to give than to receive. Oh, hello? Did you see any like this in the four gospel? Did you see Jesus say it is more blessed to give than to receive? Eh? So they can give a reference. They can give a highlight. But they don't quote. 
Jesus said in one, two, three, four. No. No. They refer. They can give in summary and in highlights, but they don't quote. So what quote is basically quoting exactly or saying exactly what was exactly. Is that very clear, everybody? So you would understand clearly that they were very, very instructive regarding what the Holy Scriptures had won. That Jesus himself quoted severally, two of us. And Jesus would say, as it is written, is that clear? Oh, is the, did Jesus say that? Yes. When he went to the mount, did Jesus say that? Yes. Okay, he told the devil, right? It is written. It is written. It is written. Did you hear them say that about the four gospel that it is written? Did, have you, did you ever see that? <laughs> okay. So the words Apostle Paul just used here were the summary of his teachings, the fulcrum of his message. Do you get it now? So he's saying it's more blessed. You know, like Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. No. He just looked at the entirety of Jesus' message and came to the conclusion that it is the fulcrum of what he's teaching. Are you getting the point? It highlights the character of what Jesus was talking about. Are you getting it? Okay. Don't forget that even Paul himself was not around. When Jesus was around. So he had those who had Jesus. So it was secondhand information. So you realize he didn't say it is clear. Look at something from 2 Peter 1, 16 to 18. For we are not following cleverly devised stories. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Watch what he says here. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Did you get that? We were what? Grandeur, authority, of sovereign power. For when he was invested with honor and glory from God the Father, and a voice was born to him by the splendid majestic glory in the bright cloud that overshadowed him, saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased and delight. 
Watch. We actually heard his voice born out of heaven for we were together with him on the holy mountain. Mm. What was he referring to? Matthew 17, 5. And he's referring to it as an eyewitness. This is what we witness. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Is that very clear? So he spoke from an eyewitness account. You get the understanding of it. <laughs> you are being impatient. So take your time. So if you read Matthew 17, 5, you get it. Once again, they never referred to the gospel as it is what? Written. They referred to it as I word witnesses. Clear. Okay. First John 1, 1 to 3. We are writing about the word of life. In him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. Oh, hello. And the life of an aspect of his being was revealed, made manifest, demonstrated, we saw as eyewitnesses and are testifying to you and declare to you the life, the eternal life in him who already existed with the Father and who actually was made visible, was revealed to us, his followers. For we have seen ourselves ahead. We are also telling you so. So that you may know you may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners, colonial, and partakers with us in this fellowship that we have, which is distinguishing a distinguishing mark of Christians, is with the Father and His Son, Christ Jesus the Messiah. Praise God. So can you see that it was like they were belaboring the point? I want witnesses. What we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched. So they spoke categorically from an eyewitness's word, view. They never said it is written. If you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, you see something very interesting. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. Since, as is well known, many have undertaken to put in order and draw up a thorough narrative of the surely established deeds which have been accomplished and fulfilled in and amongst us, exactly as they were handed down to us by those who from the official beginning of Jesus' ministry 
were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. That is of the doctrine concerning the attainment through Christ of salvation in the kingdom of God. Praise God. So they were handed down by what? Eyewitness. So Luke is saying, even me myself, I was not an eyewitness. Clear. <laughs> I gathered it from those who saw it. So you can only give an eyewitness account. Either you are the first party or you heard it from the first party. Praise God. Oh, is that very clear? He said in three, it seemed good and desirable to me. And so I've determined also, after having searched out diligently and followed all the things closely, traced accurately the course from the highest to the minutest detail, from the first, from the very first, and write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus, my purpose is that you may know the full truth and understand with certainty the security against error, the accounts, histories, and doctrines of the faith of which you have informed and in which you have been orally instructed. So he was now putting things what? Into writing. From an eyewitnesses are oh hello. Oh praise God. So you can see that with the eyewitness account it was not God who revealed it to them. <laughs> they were inspired to write, but it is not the revelation of God. <laughs> you don't have patience. <laughs> Is that very clear? So the four gospels will be eyewitness account, a journalistic account of the words and works of Jesus. The four gospels will be an eyewitness account a journalistic account of the words and works of Jesus. So to refer to the four gospel, you will have to be an eyewitness or must have been told directly by one who was an eyewitness. That's why the four gospels cannot explain themselves. Like I said, even though the Holy Spirit inspired them in writing, it was not the Holy Spirit that revealed what they wrote. Clear. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 6. For I passed on to you first of all what I also had received. 
that Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, died for our sins in accordance to what the scripture foretold, scriptures foretold. That he was buried. That he arose on the third day. As the scriptures foretold. Watch next. And also that he appeared to Cephas. Then to the twelve. Then later he showed himself to more than 500 brethren at one time. The majority of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep in death. So what do we have here? So you can see the revelation backed by an eyewitness account. Hey. Did you see that? So, Apostle Paul is now telling us how Peter told him he saw. How Jesus arose. People saw him that he arose. Praise God. And all of that was an eyewitness word. Hello? But in the eyewitness account he had, he could explain how the scriptures foretold it and bring it into the light of the eyewitness account. Wake up. You don't understand me. A few people say they don't. You don't understand me. I can see something happen to you. And I can tell everybody I was there. It doesn't mean I understand what I saw. (laughs) An eyewitness of an issue does not make the issue. That is why when Jesus was being crucified, all of them ran away. Because they didn't even understand and didn't know what it meant. They saw a good man being killed. Other people who were witnesses also saw a man accused of robbery as a criminal being what? Killed. For them, it was an ordinary killing. They were eyewitnesses, but the fact that they were witnessing it didn't mean they could explain what it meant. Do you understand? 
Do you understand it now? Now you understand it. So, you see, the four Gospels gives us an account. They ate. Jesus walked on the sea. He slept. He was born by a virgin Mary. But it cannot explain and give you its significance by revelation. Do you understand it? So if he slept, what does that mean to us? <laughs> he walked on the sea. What does that mean to us? So he could tell, they could tell, okay, this happened, that happened, that happened, but it cannot explain the facts of what you saw. Where is Ah, do you understand it? So, for those who saw Jesus die, the reality of his death was lost on them. I can tell you, on that day, there were people who were doing their thing. They were going to market. There were people who were playing cha-cha. They didn't see anything. Maybe I said, oh, they said some Jesus. <laughs> you remember Auntie Mary's son. Yes. <laughs> ah, okay. He was doing ba 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 ba. You see where he said that? <laughs> Thank you very much. See those boys who followed you? <laughs> and we were telling them watch yourselves about this, this man. This, you, you, you. They didn't mind us. Hey, Pajo, you see? <laughs> if you are gone. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. So, we are clear now. So, the Holy Scriptures, we know, they were sacred writings. Genesis to Malachi. Now, we know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Joy, they are eyewitness what? They speak just to the works, works of Jesus. It doesn't mean they explain. Okay? And they have understanding to its revelation or significance. Clear? Good. Now, let's look at Acts of the Apostles. Let's look at Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles is a historical document, not a doctrinal document. And you know that it was Luke who wrote it. Yeah. Yes. To Theophilus. Just like we saw in Luke 1. 
Okay, so Theophilus has been spoken to and Luke was trying to give him. But the only difference between Acts and Luke is that with Acts, Luke was an eyewitness because he was accompanying Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys. Are you getting the point? So he actually reported on an eye, as an eyewitness. But then with um, Luke, what he wrote, that one, it was from a third party. Are you getting the point? Is that very clear? Okay, so in Acts 1-1, in the former account, which I prepared for Euphilus, I made a continuous report dealing with all the things which Jesus began to do and to teach. And so it's like a continuation. Are you getting the point of giving him the events and what went on? So it actually speaks to more of events. Praise God. More of events. The day of Pentecost, Stephen's death, Paul's encounter on the road to Damascus, Peter's jail, Paul and Silas's jail, all these were eyewitness what? Account by Luke. If you look at even Acts chapter 9, you will see three different accounts. When Paul was um, more like um, encountered Jesus, yes. You will see that in Acts 9, 1 to 20, you see Luke's account. So Luke was the one who was giving the account. <laughs> <laughs> and you see Luke saying that Paul saw Jesus, Paul became blind, and all of that. If you read it, I'm not going to go through. If you read Acts 9, 26 to 30, Where Paul makes a defense to the Jewish audience, their account is different. So you see that Paul is not actually giving all the details that you see um, Luke give. Are you here with me? Yeah, so uh, there were so many things Paul, who was giving his defense, left out. Clear. You go to Acts 22, verse 12 to 16. You see Paul tying Jesus to the Jewish God of the Old Testament. Ananias describes Paul as called by the Father to know his will and to see and hear the righteous one. 
Paul himself also recounted and recalled the second commission by Jesus in the temple. And he was saying that God called him to the Gentiles. From the most important place in the Jewish nation. You see that you take that in order to know. Look at Acts 26, 9 to 17. In this place, he leaves out Ananias and then Paul's blindness altogether summarizes Paul's commission in terms of Jesus alone. And then in this account, he gives the most detail for the gospel he was to preach. And I think this is because he was actually talking to a Gentile audience. Yeah. And then last but not the least, Acts 26, 18 to 23. He speaks clearly to King Agrippa. And so many things that he did not say in other of the accounts that we have given about. So, how can you rely on these accounts and use them as doctrine? When they reference the scriptures. So, you cannot, because it is giving you several events, but you cannot explain the events. Praise God. So you don't exactly know what it means. You don't exactly know which one is significant. Which one is tailored to your faith. What you must do and what you must not do. Is that very clear? Let's examine these last and then we'll close for today. We're going to examine the sermons in the book of Acts. When I'm done, I want one of you to tell me what they saw. Because I want you to really get it. So in Acts 2, 14 to 41, you know what happened? Day of Pentecost, you realize that? Peter started preaching. He started preaching from where? Joel to Psalms. Okay, and speaking of the promise of the Father that was to come, clear. Oh, hello. Look at Acts 3. You remember when the guy was healed eh? at the beautiful gate? How many of you remember that story? Yes, the cripple. And when the moment the cripple was healed, the people gathered, Peter used the opportunity to do what? To preach. Hello. Okay. What was he preaching? Repentance. Christ. Clear. Okay. Acts 5. 12. You know of Ananias and Sapphira? 
Right after their issue, they preached and they said more souls were won for the Lord. As a matter of fact, here they didn't tell us what they preached. They just told us that more souls were added to the church. So what it means is that if you are looking at this, you want people to die for more people to come to Christ. <laughs> that when they kill like Ananias and Sapphira and everybody everybody will start coming. <laughs> oh, hello? Claire. If you go to um, Acts 6, 7, you realize where the Hellenists were complaining. They said they didn't have, uh, the widows uh, were not getting food. Uh, It's the Hebrew natives that were being saved, and they were being overlooked. Okay, and then right after that, they picked um, some people to come and save. And then the message started spreading. So then, then the message spread. So when you lay food aside, the message will, will spread. <laughs> now, yeah, so I mean, what, what you must get is this. You must know the role that the book is playing. And when you are able to do that, then Ototomia will be well served. Oh, praise God. You accurately divide the word. Okay? Go to Acts 7. You know what happened? Stephen's matter. And Stephen gave us a history of where they were coming from and how far God has what? Brought them. Okay? Give us a whole summary of how salvation came to Israel. Are you getting the point for which we must receive the Lord Jesus Christ? And he forgave them for all their sins like Christ and then also what? Die. Okay. So you can glean some examples from what he did. Is that is that very clear? Yes. But it was not clearly explained to you. He was standing. We saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So I said, that was nice. They didn't tell you what it meant. They didn't explain it. So he just gave you a narrative. Are you getting the point? Now, that's where most preachers get it wrong. So they begin to use it to their what? Advantage. Okay, so they laid it at the apostles' feet. Uh huh. So what is it? So look at Acts eight four. You know, um, Philip preached from Isaiah. Yes. So from the Old Testament, they preached what repentance. Is that clear? Yes. Receiving Christ. Acts 10. Cornelius being saved. 
13, when Paul and Barnabas were sent out on a missionary journey, you know, they saw this sorcerer and Paul really dealt with him. You know that. Paul, hey, Paul dealt with him. Nice. He was trying to stop. Um, he's called a Elimus. He was trying to stop a, a top man from being saved. And Apostle Paul made sure that he was paralyzed. You know, and after that, when the man saw that the guy who was standing in the way paralyzed, he received Christ. <laughs> 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 Very soon you'll be paralyzing the <laughs> Is that what you do, Brazil? <laughs> 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 Okay. Acts 15, you see Paul discussing the circumcision the, um, when they wanted to um, hinder um, the Gentiles from being saved and they want them to be circumcised before they are saved. And um, Paul had to come to Jerusalem to speak to the issue with the apostles and they had to come to a consensus that we are saved by the work of Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. Praise God. Good. Acts 17. Here too, Apostle Paul preached concerning eternal salvation and people were saved in Thessalonica. And then you know the Athens, the unknown God. Yes, where they were serving what they called an unknown God. And then Paul referenced that unknown God to who? Christ. So he preached from the beginning okay, and speaks to them. And even that scripture where um, Paul said that people were called from different board, um, places and the Lord himself set bodies. Okay? Yeah, so if you're not careful, you think that Apostle Paul is saying that it is God that actually confused them and the Tower of, Tower of Babel and, and, and made them um, spread okay, around and then they divided themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But that was no one. So if you're not careful and you're reading Acts and you're using Acts as doctrine, you err. It gives you a kind of a jump box of events. But doesn't explain what should be done. As a matter of fact, if you study all the sermons, the sermons are to unbelievers. Clear. So, what is the instruction to be believers? Are you here with me? Are you now? Are you getting the understanding? So, if I am preaching here in church, I should be able to preach to you. To know who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. What Christ has done for you. Are you getting the point? What Christ has left for you. But if I'm preaching to unbelievers, I'll just open them up to what Christ did. In his death, burial, and resurrection. How he saved, and that is about it. And so you see that in Acts, 
That was all that was preached in all the sermons. He never gave instructions about the believer's life in the kingdom. So you can look through to Acts 18, Acts 19, Acts 22, Acts 26. So all of these are journalistic impressions. And they give summaries and highlights and key issues. Regarding our salvation. That's all. But when you go into the epistles, you have the full content and you have doctrine. Okay? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup when he had sought, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shew the Lord's death till he comes. Hello. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Now, did Jesus tell Paul this? No. So when he says that I received of the Lord, he was telling us what he was told by the eye witness. It's not that like Jesus came and told him. Why would the Holy Spirit even do that? Because the thing is something that he has told others what? Hey, are you here with me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> are you getting it? So it was not a revelation that he saw and Jesus was telling him. Remember, he quoted or he spoke, he referred verbatim, you can see that, to what Jesus told the disciples during when? The Lord's Supper. Oh, hello. Is that very clear? Okay. And so for most of us, if you see this, now you come to the understanding that Apostle Paul is giving us an instruction. Can you see the instruction clearly? Okay. Now, what is the instruction? Ah, tell me. Yes. I'm listening. 
He's just, I think he's highlighting the importance of uh, communion with one another, uh, fellowshipping in love, and how having to uh, support one another. Did Jesus say, make sure you eat this bread often? Hello? Did Jesus say, Eat this bread often. He said, as often as what? Eat. Hello? <laughs> you don't get the understanding? He didn't say, make sure. You eat. He said, as often as you eat, you put me in remembrance. Hello? So, what are you eating? Bread. <laughs> so, so is ah, so is the word. The word of his grace. And as often as you eat. You put his death, barrier, and resurrection and its effect into remembrance. So what we are doing right now, we are sharing the bread. We are drinking the wine. Are you getting the point? So eating on wedding is what Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy about. Vain talkings, ideal talkings, things that that not reflect his resurrection power. Are you getting the point? Are you here with me? The bread you are talking about, the Israelites ate it. They didn't die. Did they die straight down? How did they eat it? How did they eat it? They were told not to keep it for the next day. They didn't mind. <laughs> When they followed him and he gave them bread, what did he tell them? You follow me because of the bread I gave you. The bread that your fathers ate in the wilderness. And they died later. In other words, they didn't have eternal life. Eat me. And when you eat me, 
you have eternal life because I am the bread of life. So in the epistles, we eat the bread of life. Praise God. In the epistles, we eat the bread of what? He gave them bread that they would eat for their hunger in the flesh. We don't eat bread to be satisfied in the spirit. His body is our bread. Praise God. Do you understand that? We are going to go into that, so don't worry. Look at John 16, 12. I have still many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them or to take them upon you or to grasp them now. So Jesus himself, like we say it, is putting a disclaimer on his own words. Oh, hello. He's saying that what I've, ever, what I've said to you is not faith. There's much more that weight here. That's why he said, watch this. He said, there's still many things to, to say to you, but you're not able to bear them, to take them upon you, or to grasp them now. So it's like somebody who really, really want to share with you weightier matters. But he knows you can't handle it now. You can't understand it. Oh, praise God. Look, 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 look at this. Was he talking to everybody? All believers? No. How do you know that? How do you know he was talking to his disciples? Yes. He was addressing the believer. He was addressing who? How do you know? That one is after. So let's address the statement there. How do you know he's talking to them directly? There is an action. And you and I are not there. You can't grasp them now. How do you become part of it? I am telling you, there's much I have to tell you. You can't understand them now. How do you put yourself there? It means there are a specific audience he's talking to. Ah, is that very clear? This man is sitting right to me. And I'm saying, Hello, I want to tell you certain things, but you can't handle them now. You can't. The spirit of truth will come. When it comes, 
he would guide you into knowing them. And then I leave it. So it's a document. It is you. And then you come and meet it. And then you say, he's talking to me. Yes, but that's exactly how we interpret some of these scriptures. So he was talking to them. So if the 12 is just for them, then the 13 can't be for us. It's also for them. What is the 13 saying? But when the spirit of truth uh, the spirit of comes, he will guide you into all truth. The whole full truth. He will not speak his own message on his own authority. But he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him. He will announce and declare to you the things that have come. That have come. That will happen to the people. The things that are to come, that are come, that are to happen in the future. Praise God. So he was telling the disciples that the Holy Spirit, watch the wind, will guide them into all truth. Check the wind guide. He will now guide them and give them a good understanding of all that had happened and they will be able to document it by revelation. Praise God. Is that very clear? By revelation. He will guide them into the full truth. Into what truth? So it is not you. Say it is not me. Okay. So that's why before they ran away. But when they were guided into the truth, the same thing they were running away from, they comforted them. Are you getting the point? And now they wrote to us to understand why we too, we can't run away. Oh, praise God. Yes. They began to know who they are. And they wrote to us who we are together with them. So oh, praise God. Are you getting the point? Yes. All right. Let's summarize it and we are done. So, what was a mystery to them became revelation. What they were onlookers to, they now participated. The Holy Scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, speak concerning Jesus, spoke 
wrote and read about Jesus. The four Gospels, Matthew to John, are the eyewitness of his person and works with no understanding. In Acts of the Apostles, we see the praxis or the practice of doctrine, but with confused or little understanding. Practice of doctrine with confused or little understanding. From Romans to Jude, we have the full revelation and explanation of Jesus. If we're going to have a holistic, full understanding of the Holy Scriptures, we will find them in the episodes. Praise God. We'll continue next week. Like I said, I know this will take you a much deeper, and you have to decide. You have to what? What did I say? You have to decide. Now, it will all come together, and you'll be amazed how you study scripture. And in the end, you realize how you become one with scripture. Because now when you're speaking it, you speak with a certain depth, intent, and confidence. Because you understand it. You know where it is coming from. And you can apply it succinctly. Praise God. All right? Yes. Grace, glorious grace, oh, grace, glorious grace, at the cross you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come.